From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's January 28th, 2022. You're listening to the best poker cast ever. I'm Chris Cassandra. <laughs> and I'm Scott Long. <laughs> All right, so you've been joking about this for about 16 years, Chris, I think. <laughs> Roughly 16, yeah. Yeah, about 16 years you've been joking about quitting and ending the podcast. And every week when you do it, we get emails from things like, don't let Chris quit. We can do it without you guys. <laughs> well, we, we had a little coming to Jesus moment last week, right? <laughs> And uh, and we're not joking now. We're not joking now. But uh, we have decided that uh, we will be ending the Enya Poker Cast on February eighteenth. Are are you are you getting verklempt? Uh, a little bit. Yes, this has been a big part of my life. <laughs> the Partridge family were neither partridges nor a family. Discuss. <laughs> Rhode Island was neither a road nor an island. Discuss. Uh, but no, seriously, 16 years, that's a third of my life. I know, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, can you believe how we've been doing this? Basically, a third of our lives. It's crazy. And we really, I mean, we missed weeks in the sense that, you know, there's a couple of times where we had to record double shows and post them twice or something, and then there was one week where we really missed. But for the most part, every single week for 16 years, we gave out a free show. Yep. I mean... You know, and I always reflect on that first show and think, how did we survive the first show? <laughs> right? The first show should have been the last show for right. us. Right. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. We, we did it five times and it never got better. You know, In fact, it actually got worse every time we recorded. <laughs> we did a six-minute show for an hour. <laughs> and it never got better. I think we used the first one. <laughs> Terrible. Well, anyhow, folks, uh, it just feels like the right time uh, yeah. to close this chapter, you know, as, as we've not joke, but mentioned on the show, probably jokingly, <laughs> Chris has been wanting to retire for a while, and and I had to start a new company, and uh, just gotta, you know, you know, things go their, run their course, right? Yeah, so. and Annie Up's not dead, it's just the show is, is this is the time right now for us to uh, to maybe call it quits for a bit. I mean, even freaking, you know, Bonanza ended after 20 years, and they were making millions, so... <laughs> I oh, think it's time. Fifties uh, or sixties, so it was more like thousands. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's uh, it's just it's just it seems like the, it seems like the time is right. So, but All don't right, delete so, us, right? Yeah, a couple things we want to mention here. One, don't delete us. I don't even know how. I don't know how you delete us, but yeah. <laughs> don't do that uh, because we may come back in the future with some special shows from time to time. You know, we are hoping to still host our Annie Up Worlds. At, Thunder Valley this summer again, and uh, certainly the website's not going away, uh, the company's not going away, so um, so don't delete us, and, and maybe you'll get a surprise um, uh, show downloaded at some point in the future, right? Yeah, yeah, in your inbox or wherever your feed, you know, highlights and lights up, you might see something from us. Uh, so yeah, it'd be like a little unexpected birthday present, right? Yeah, it's like that, like that check in the mail that you weren't, you didn't know was coming. <laughs> Except it won't be a check, and it won't be mail. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so on our last show, the 18th, we want to make it a big retrospective show, so we won't do our normal uh, segments and everything. We'll just be waxing on about uh, this incredible journey we've been on this yeah. past 16 yeah. years. Right? So, um, And we want you to be a part of it. We always want our fans to be a part of it. So um, if you 
there's something you want to say, something you remember, or a favorite show, or favorite line, or whatever, anything like that from these past 16 years that you want to share with us, please email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com, and uh, we'll do our best to include as many of them as we can on that show. I don't think we'll go three hours and three and a half hours like the 100th episode, right? That was crazy. Yes, yes. And we had all those clips and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was, it was longer than the Titanic movie. and uh, But not as long as the Pearl Harbor movie. No, so. but uh, we found the sweet spot right in the middle <laughs> to get people to uh, listen to us. But it was long. And then we had all those testimonials, right? Yes. The clips at the end. So don't send us a clip because we're not putting clips on the show. That's just too much. I don't want to cry. Yeah, but, but definitely emails again at uh, email address podcast at antietmagazine.com and, and let us know uh, what uh, what you liked about the show over these past years. Um, and then, uh, you know, hey, my new company is Quaz Creative, and that's Q-U-O-Z. Search for me on Facebook and uh, like that page because uh, I'm not done podcasting. Chris is done, but I'm going to move on. I'm going to start some new podcasts in the future, and at least one of them, one of the ideas I had will be universal um I, I don't, uh, It'll be universal. That's all you got to say. It'll be interesting <laughs> to people outside of my town where I am. So yes, yes, yes. But we'll see that. But uh, when I get get to that point, I will be announcing it on on the Quaz Creative Facebook page. And I wouldn't say sure. that I'm done podcasting. You never know. <laughs> I might do a bonsai podcast someday, or what it's like to be uh, retired at fifty. You know, who knows? <laughs> but uh, I highly doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I I did have an idea for a. A bonsai TV show. Really? Yeah, I thought, you know how they had Iron Chef? Oh, yeah. Right, where they had that. So, same sort of thing, because, you know, as you know, uh, I've won a few uh, competitions with bonsai, yep. and it's the live kind of competition. It's not the kind where you've worked on a tree for 20 years and you enter it in an exhibit. This is the kind where they give you a raw piece of material, and you've got to turn it into a tree, and you try to win. And I've won, like, four out of the five I've entered. And so, I thought, what if we did that with a TV show? So you'd have like the, the the quirky host, and you'd have the professional bonsai artist with him doing the little play by play stuff, and then like out of the sky would drop this species of tree, <laughs> right? And you'd have the three professional, or you have an amateur and like two professionals there, and they're like, and the tree today is juniper, and then bum bum bum, and you have all this stuff, and then they, the contestants will have three hours to design their tree, and then the you know they do like little segments on like terms and what the I'm telling you, you get the right audience and you get like garden centers and nurseries and things like that, Home Depot to sponsor it and stuff. I'm telling you, it could be a show. But somebody's got to throw all their money at it and do it, you know? Absolutely. Well, two things. One, uh, I'm quirky, so I will be your host. Excellent. Um, but I have conditions. Uh. One, uh, uh, no green M&Ms. I was going to say, this is a writer, isn't it? This yep, is a yep, contract writer. Cannot stand the green M&Ms because uh, they taste completely different than the other M&Ms. And uh, on one of the shows... When the tree comes down, yeah. I want it to be a little mini Stonehenge. <laughs> That's all I need. I don't even need to be paid. I just need those two things. You need those two things. Okay. And maybe a little Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I do it, I'll be hitting up Quaz Creative for some advertising dollars. There so. we go. I appreciate that. All right. So, all right. Well, let's let's uh, let's make it a good show today, and uh, we'll continue to move on. And like we said, February eighteenth will be our last show. And send us your. Uh, your reflections, your remembrances, that kind of thing. Podcast at antiupmagazine.com. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to keep the sadness going, Chris. Uh-huh. Uh, but you're going to. But, but, but I have to because this, this is one of these crazy, stupid things that men do. 
and everybody listener out there, and even probably the women listening, probably do crazy, stupid stuff to you. We all have this one thing that just you can't explain, right? Right. It's just it. So, uh, and I, I know I talked about this on the show years ago. Uh, probably should save this for the remembrance. But <laughs> 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 when I uh, won my very first poker tournament, it was at uh, the Grand Casino of Biloxi back uh, back in the day. And yeah. I don't know when it was. Probably seventeen, eighteen years ago. It was before the show, before we started the show. So it's been a while now. Um, I was so excited that I bought myself a mailbox. <laughs> Quite certain I'm the only poker player to have ever used the money from his first poker tournament to buy a mailbox. You, you sound like Ross on Friends when they're talking about what they're going to do with the millions when they win the lottery. And he's like, I'll probably invest it. <laughs> you, you win all this money and your first thought is mailbox. <laughs> what the hell is that? I can't even remember the mailbox that we had before, but I must not have liked it to the point that I wanted... <laughs> Uh, oh custom gosh. mailbox. So I went. Uh, there was a company in town. In fact, actually owned by a poker player at the time, and that uh, they made custom mailboxes. So they, you know, they carved uh, our address in it and painted it two tone. It wasn't fancy, but it it was my trophy. That's what I call it. It's my poker trophy. Right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so once, uh, probably a good ten years ago, you know, is prone to be the um, post rotted, and I cried, and I'm like, don't take away my trophy. And uh, so the guy came over, and uh, he's like, well, I'm not in the business anymore. But he's like, hey, he figured out a way to save it. He just put a different post on it and put it back up. And I went, thank you. <laughs> well, it uh, rotted away again. <laughs> oh, no. This week, I went out to get the mail, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. we got three shows left. Who's going to stop us? I mean, it looked like somebody ran it over, but then I looked down, and I'm like, no, this post just... Uh, rotted out and oh, uh, it fell over and so you know i had a handyman come over and take a look at it and i'm like uh he's like you just want to go buy another one uh, before he came over and i'm like i will <laughs> but i really hope you can save it <laughs> and then uh, so he called me out when he looked at it and he's like man he's like it's not just the post is rotted like everything is rotted i'm like i i could try to i could try to do something but it's it's not gonna last and i'm like no <laughs> The year is over. The podcast is ending. Just throw it all away. I don't care anymore. Uh, so now I have a uh, standard issue white Rubbermaid mailbox out there. No personality. No poker ties to it at all. Um, so, but but I still have the other mailbox. It's it, it's trash days, not till Sunday. So could the uh, other mailbox win the GPI poker personality of the year? Maybe it might. It might actually. Yeah, <laughs> this might be the uh, next year's GPI audio story. <laughs> Are you feeling for Clemp? Do you need yet another topic? The thigh master was neither a thigh nor a master. By the way, I thought. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I'm fine now, but but uh, Sunday when I had to take the trash out and I had to drag that bad boy out to the the curb. Um, and then Monday morning, because I'll get up and go for my walk before the trash guy gets here, and you know I'll say one more goodbye to it, and then uh, you know. Well, when you get weepy, just remember that the chickpea was neither a chick nor a pea. <laughs> <laughs> You're really making it easier for people to come to grips with the fact of the show's out. <laughs> oh, the peanut was neither a pea nor a nut. So discuss. Rafe Fines was neither a Rafe nor Fines. Oh my gosh, you're on a website here now. Tell me you don't just have this stuff. Uh, these are all for memory. Yeah, I'll try to think of some more. <laughs> all right, we got some news today too. So the World Series of Poker will be returning to the Horseshoe, but uh, not that one. 
folks. Uh, Caesars Entertainment has announced that it will rebrand Bally's Las Vegas as the Horseshoe this spring, including resort renovations. Wow. I wonder if, you know, 25 years from now, they'll rebrand Horseshoe and Bally's, you know, to remember, <laughs> remember Bally's. They'll call it the Rio in 20 years. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's interesting, though. I always felt... It always felt right when the Horseshoe was hosting the World Series, didn't it? It just feels like that's that's where it's supposed to be. Where it's supposed to be, yes. Now, now, granted, I mean, it's just a name. It's it's you know, there's probably going to be nothing that <laughs> resembles the original Horseshoe downtown. But uh, but it is, uh, uh, you know, I don't know whether this was wh- which was the chicken and which was the egg here, right? Because mm. it sounds like they're related somehow, right? Yeah. I think somebody said, "Hey, we want uh, we're going to rebrand Bally's as a horseshoe," and then somebody else said, "Well, hey, we should bring the World Series Poker there." Or someone said, "We need to move the Hor- uh, World Series Poker to Bally's." Oh, if we're going to do that. Let's call it the horseshoe. Yeah, got to be one or the other, right? Yeah, that's and a good no point. Way these things aren't related. I, I think that it will resemble the horseshoe, though. I mean, they've got a lot of paraphernalia well, yeah, that, stuff they'll resurrect, you know. Team. Shoe, though, but yeah. yeah, but it'll be horseshoe. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be horseshoes all over the place. Again. Yeah, you know, they'll have the whole country theme and stuff or whatever. I, I my favorite horseshoe was what was it, uh, Tunica? Mm-hmm. That place had some crazy good poker there. Um, yeah, I've always been a big fan of the horseshoe brand. It's interesting that you know these gaming companies have multiple different brands. And then they spent a lot of money transitioning them into one or the other. And the other funny thing is the Bally's company, uh, which obviously doesn't own this, uh, but they're rebranding all their casinos nationwide to Bally's now. Yeah, so, that's weird. Uh, so that that's probably part of this as well too. But um, but uh, but it's interesting as a consumer. I don't I don't think I really noticed much of a difference between a Caesar's Entertainment property and a Horseshoe property, even though they're owned by the same company. Right. So. Right. Um, other than obviously the iconic horseshoe look through it, but it's not like the, the these new horseshoes are you know like a Longhorn Steakhouse. I'm like, right. <laughs> you're, you're not throwing your peanut shells on the ground. <laughs> it's still it's a nice casino, right? So it is kind of a little interesting how this branding stuff works and how that that works on folks that are not as smart as I am but about it. But oh, well, it's good though. It's full circle coming back to the shoe. I like that. But it's going to be a lot of fun this summer uh, talking about the World Series of Poker being at the Horseshoe and the Annie of Poker Cast, Chris. <laughs> hey, you know what, though? You never know. That's you right. never you know. know. You never know. Some <laughs> angel investor might come up and make us an offer we can't refuse. <laughs> All right. So uh, this was kind of interesting. Uh, so 22 states have now legalized online sports wagering, yet only five allow online poker. Uh, U.S. Bets asked John Pappas, uh, if you remember correctly, was the former executive director of the Poker Players Alliance, why this is. And some of his thoughts were that uh, lawmakers tend to follow the direction of the industry, and which he defined as not just the gaming industry, but financial markets. Both are focusing most of their attention on sports wagering these days. And, of course, the reason the gaming industry isn't as excited about poker is because of how little it earns. And this is staggering. I, I, I knew it was bad, Chris, but yeah. I did not know it was this bad. In New Jersey, other forms of online gaming made 45 times more than poker last year. In Pennsylvania, it was 33 times more. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I hate to admit it, but it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, but it, it's if you think about it, if you take how many people in the world there are and how many people in the world play poker, it's probably a pretty decent return on your money there if you think about it. I mean, there's way more than 
45 times people in the world that who play poker who don't play poker you know versus sure. so i mean if you think about it that way it's like yeah i mean i guess you gotta take out of that that equation you know who gambles and who doesn't and then break it down but yeah it, it makes sense that they don't make a lot of money but they still make money you know poker still makes enough money to deserve to be you know regulated and in, in everywhere uh it's just that it's there it's a money grab they want as much as possible and it's the new thing the new thing is the the poker sports betting and so i mean you know, the sports betting so I agree. We had him on the show a couple times, didn't we, John yeah, Pappas? We, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Nice guy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I get that. I mean, and I've always preached that to folks um, that uh, always get upset that their casinos aren't promoting their poker more. And I'm like, you got to understand that poker room is an amenity. It really is. I'm like, very few casinos is an actual draw that's worth investing money in. And, and those casinos are really nice for that reason. But, um, you know, it's it's always been the redheaded stepchild, and it, you know it doesn't make much money. But what I I guess I don't understand about this is, and 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 I honestly don't understand what goes on involved in creating an online gaming platform. But it seems to me <laughs> that once you have the platform built, it's pretty easy just to offer whatever games you want, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's not like you have to staff it like a brick and mortar room, and you have to have trained dealers and floor people there all the time, and you're taking up you know, space on the floor that you you could otherwise use for slot machines. I mean, it's it's online. It's in the cloud. We're right, in the cloud. Right. It just seems like it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, and it's not like, you know, you've got to reinvent the poker online wheel. I mean, <laughs> there are products out there, right? So, um, and, and really, I mean, I mean, I guess the, the really thing, the only thing I could think of really is, is the marketing dollars to be put into it. But, you know, but these brick and mortar casinos don't put a lot of marketing dollars in the poker as it is. So I mean, it just seems like why not offer everything you can offer, right? Yeah. And I would say probably, I mean, uh, I don't think it's that the gaming industry is telling lawmakers we don't want poker. I think it's just you know they're focused on the more lucrative stuff. But uh, it just it's interesting that uh, why the sports betting is not a concern of lawmakers for those that think gambling is evil, right? But but poker is right. I gotta tell you, to if you went, if we invented that time machine and went back to even Black Friday, if you were to tell me that you know what a decade later that we still would be fighting to get poker regulated nationally, you know, it, I would be like, come on, you know. I mean, one of the reasons, one of the things that kept our company like going was hoping that that big announcement would happen and we'd be able to do the things that we want to do with the company and stuff. It's just to be able to have that money influx of cash and have that advertising and conversions and all that kind of thing. Cause we really thought that eventually they'd wake up and smell the coffee, but it just seems like that dream is starting to slip away. You know, I mean, it's amazing how they keep coming up with these new ways to spend money online for gambling and everything, but it's not poker, you know, and it makes sense when he says that when there's just, it doesn't generate enough revenue to make them the shiny new thing. But it's just sad to me. It's a sad show. Yeah, really, right? What the hell? I feel like someone ran over my dog. I don't even have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not going to get any happier, Chris, because uh, card clubs in Dallas, including the Texas Card House, are being informed that their certificates of occupancy are being revoked after the city attorney has determined they are illegal gambling houses. This is despite a long, drawn-out discussion with the city in 2020 that ended with the businesses being cleared to open. This past summer, some of the clubs saw protesters outside. So, go back to the Godfather again. Just when I thought they were, we were out, 
Dallas pulls us back in. Another Texas story about poker. Right? It's just unbelievable. And this is not good news. Like, you know, and, and but it's also not as bad news as it sounds in the sense that Dallas was always the holdout in Texas. I mean, all the other big cities, San Antonio, Houston, Austin, they all, you know, seem perfectly fine um, with the this card club model that was taking over. Uh, but Dallas held out for a long time. It was really hard for folks to convince uh, uh, lawmakers in Dallas that, that this is cool. And then they succeeded. Um, and then the attorney did another pass at it. I'm like, nope, sorry, this is gambling. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it's tragic for these rooms that are open. I mean, and some of these, like Texas Cardhouse is a really nice one. They own three or four in the state. Invest a lot of money in building these rooms. And, and now, all of a sudden, you know, hey, sorry. I know. No more. So, the, to, that, to that extent, it's very sad. If you're in the Dallas market, it's very sad. Um, but... Uh, and then I guess what we got to watch now is, I mean, will other attorneys around the state take notice of this? And, you know, it does seem like uh, folks uh, in Dallas were much more apprehensive about this business than other states. Because I don't rem- recall seeing protesters in other parts of the state. But uh, I wonder if that had to, you know, played a role in it. Well, the bad news, too, is that other cities or in towns or whatever are going to hear about this sort of stance and then they're going to relook at it you know that's the thing is you never want any attention on you that's the beauty of doing things like this that you don't want anybody to note recognize you you just want to have a nice little business that's running over there and hey we don't care about them we're not going to bother with them but when you have something like this bringing headlines then it has oh maybe our you know city attorney should look at this in san antonio or wherever the rooms are houston and it's like uh you know any bad press is not Good press in this instance. You know, a lot of people say, oh, as long as they spell your name right and that kind of thing. But not this. This is the kind of stuff that can create problems. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. And the other thing that could happen, too, is this could be part of that wake-up call to uh, the Texas legislature to really get serious about either, you know, regulating these rooms, um, which is good news, bad news, depending on how it's done. Um, or, you know, finally getting casino gambling there, which again, good news or bad news for the card clubs, depending on how that plays out. So both of those things, you don't know which way it's going to go. Right. (laughs) So, um, uh, yeah, I feel bad for these folks that own these rooms in that state. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think you really need to have the right mentality if you own these places too, that you, you make as much money as you can before you get shut down. I mean, if that's your mentality, then I think you're going to be a good business owner there. But, you know, if you are uh, ignorant to what's going on and you just think that you're going to be able to fight your way out of out of being closed down, then then I think you're in for trouble later on. But Right. It's kind of like the way you and I play poker, right? We, we think of it as entertainment. And we say right. we can afford to lose this money today if we don't win. It's not going to stop us and from making the mortgage payments. It's the same thing with here. You don't want to lose, but, you know, if you do. If you do, yeah. So in yeah. this case, I mean, as long as you're prepared to know that you're going to lose whatever you put into it, you know, and make your money while you can, then that's what you do. That's yeah, but that's that's no way to go into <laughs> a lot of things, though. You know, it's, it's scary. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, not the mentality you want. You would rather go into something where you really don't have to worry about these external pressures. You know, it's hard enough on running a business to begin with. Any yeah. Business, Never mind but, something that's in the gray area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game. You're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. While you still can, 
Email us at podcast at com, and we'll have Rivers Casino Schenectady Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. Of course, he's not going to today. Uh, this comes from Percy Denozo, getting uh, his call to floor in just in time. He said it's a 1-2 casino cash game. Player in the big blind re-raised him. When it got back to him, he says, I don't verbally announce anything because I don't want to give out more information than necessary. But I grab a stack of greens about the size of the red stack re-raise that I was facing and push it across the line. Dealer says, okay, that's a call. I said, what? No, that's a raise. Literally everyone at the table acknowledged it was a raise. So the dealer said, well, the table agrees, so that's a raise. I understand if I put only, only one chip uh, that it's a raise, but could my action here ever be construed as a call only? Uh, yeah, again, we don't need uh, Elliot for this. This is almost laughable, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, one, this is clearly a raise. You were, you were correct, Percy. And, um, uh, what I have problem with is the dealer, like, it now becomes like the Gallup organization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they get a poll at the table. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Everybody else has a raise. All right. It's a raise. According to Quinnipiac, I believe that you, uh, you have made a raise now. Small sample size here, though. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so so yeah, um, so clearly that this, this is a raise. Um, you know, there's different with chip denominations and everything, but you're you made one motion, uh, you pushed it out. I mean, obviously, again, we will remind you it's always better to verbalize what you're doing. That way, it takes away any ambiguity. But uh, but you still you. This was a proper race. So the other thing I suggest to Percy, too, is that, uh, you know, when this kind of stuff happens, I mean, and this is pretty egregious. This isn't just a dealer, like, having the momentary lapse, right? This is a dealer that clearly is um, new to the game um, and in need of some training, right? Because uh, if he's confused, he or she's confused, he should have called the floor. Right. But well, this dealer never liked to call the floor because it looks like they did something wrong, right? So then they they settled it wild wild west wide, <laughs> like just thinking the, the the players' opinions on it. And right. so you know I, what I suggested is you know when you cash out, go find a floor, just point out the dealer, and just say hey everything was right, it ended up working out. But I just want to let you know this happened because and, and so I told person it's not tattletaling, and you know you're not like Bobby on uh, Brady Bunch in the Hall Monitor, right? So, <laughs> but what it is is just you're you're honestly helping this dealer by pointing out to the floor that this happened, so they can get the proper training. Because in this situation, uh, nothing bad happened, right? But if this dealer doesn't get the proper training, there's going to be a situation where something really bad happens, and you can avoid that both for the dealer. For the casino and for the players that are involved in that, uh, you really should. So I don't know. I don't know if I like. I I think that I could disagree with you on two of your points. I think I could disagree with the fact that this could have been just a brain fart in my mind. I mean, some people you just see the guys throw out a stack and you just you kind in your mind you just kind of go, okay, that's a call, and then you're like, no, 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 it's a raise, and then he's like, and maybe. Maybe the person's just like, all right, everyone said it's a raise. I guess it's a raise. You know, joking around. I, I'm not saying it's not what happened here. I'm saying, I, you know, it could have been the other way. It could have just been that he really did, he or she did really just screw up and, and whatever. But I could see someone just kind of blanking for a minute and being like, okay, that's a call. And they're like, no, no, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, all right, well, everyone else said it's a raise, it's a raise, you know, joking around, making it easier. But I don't know, probably not. But I'm just saying it could have been a brain fart. Um, the other thing I would say is, 
maybe you tell the dealer first when it's all said and done. Instead of going to his boss and report, you know, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be the one that tells, you know, you saw what happened to Sammy Farha, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I don't want to be the one that, that goes to the boss and says, hey, just so you know, uh, that dealer over there, you know, he, he tried to say I made a call when it was a clear raise and we got it all right. But, you know, he should really be trained better, you know. And then the guy finds out, you know, that was his third strike and we don't know it. And he's fired. Hey, why'd you fire me? Well, somebody complained about that. Who complained about, you know, boom. Now you guys meet me in the parking lot, want fisticuffs, you know, throw some hands. And I, I don't want that. So, uh, you know, I don't know. You, you brought up Brady Bunch. I figured I could throw an old, old guy term too, you know. I mean, that's like 1600s term. <laughs> <laughs> throw down some hands. How's that? I modernized it with the throw down some hands. But, uh, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, but. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I'm certainly not suggesting that you have to go tattle on the dealer. I mean, obviously, I mean, you're free to get up and leave. And you're right, there could be something negative about it. I, I just, you know, I don't know I don't know if talking to the dealer is the right way to go. Because now you clearly made it that you're the one that's, if you end up deciding you have to go to the floor afterwards, you made it very clear who you are. I mean, I, I would trust the floor is not going to, like, say, oh, yeah, that's... Uh, that, that goofy guy over there is the one that complained, right? So, yeah. but now you're making yourself, but, but, but you're not, I don't know what you say to the dealer. I'm like, I don't know. Cause your job isn't to train the dealer, right? The, 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 the staff is supposed to be training the dealers. So, you know, I, I, I don't know really what that helps, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think that if the person really didn't know that was a raise, really, I, I don't see how they got as far as they did to even throw a card, you know? So it, I thought it was a brain fart, but if it's not, He's now learned his lesson, or she's learned, you know, whoever it was. So, I don't know. It's very interesting. I, it's an interesting thing. I don't know how you'd handle it, really. I, I just don't about, think I can go to the boss. For, how about this for a compromise? Because this is what Percy kind of suggested. He's like, hey, I'm just going to keep an eye on this dealer, and if I see that he or she, I forget if it's he or she, uh, is making similar mistakes, then I'll mention something. Yeah, before. that sounds right to me. Because now you've had your chance you know, to, to get better and figure out and learn from that. If you still continue to make harebrained things like that mistakes then yeah i think i'd have to say something at that point because i don't want my i don't want to lose a pot or or whatever because this person isn't doing their job properly you know and i want everything to go flow as smoothly as possible i want to get as many hands as possible i don't want to keep calling floors or having discussions at the table you know so yeah how about that you get you got one shot you know to uh, make it better and if you start to mess up again then we got to say something yeah i like that right. idea solved solved the problem All right. excellent the next well, time you disagree with me, we're going to end the show. <laughs> I'll, see you, mind, right? I'll see you in three weeks. <laughs> hey, this will be the penultimate O'Malley's move then, so we're going to wrap it up today. So here comes uh, part one to refresh our memories. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $2, $5, no limit hold'em casino cash game. The action is pretty wild in this one, with several players who are not afraid to triple barrel bluff. The game is deep stacked, since you can match the biggest stack at the table when you buy in. As a result, the average stack is well over 1,000, with a few stacks over 5,000. This game has been going for hours. We bought in for 2,000 and currently sit with 3,000. The blinds post, the under the gun folds, the plus one calls, the MP folds, and the hijack raises to $25. He's a pretty decent player who plays a reasonable range pre-flop, but gets himself into trouble after the flop and tries to buy his way out of bad situations. 
he started the hand with a round 2400. The cutoff folds, and we're on the button with the ace of hearts, queen of clubs. If this had been a raise from earlier position, I'd probably fold here. Since it's from the hijack, I like a raise. I want to define this player's range, and if we get re-raised, we can easily fold and move on. We make it $75 to go. It's folded back around to the hijack, who calls relatively quickly. With around 150 in the pot, the flop is the ace of spades, 10 of spades, 7 of diamonds. The hijack checks, and we decide to make a bet. We put $100 into the pot. The hijack announces a raise and counts out a neat 300. Folding here would be exceptionally weak. We call. With 750 in the pot, the turn is the six of hearts. The hijack leads out, this time for 500. We call. There's now 1750 in the pot and the river is the four of clubs. The hijack instantly shoves for his remaining 1500. So, if we call and win, it will be the biggest pot of our playing career. What's the move? Uh, what are those old adages, Chris? Don't call all in with one pair? Don't go broke with a queen in your hand? Yeah, those check. are uh, Doyle Brunson things, I think. Check and check. Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the only thing that gives me pause here is O'Malley's description of the game as being wild and his description of the player being one that likes to buy himself out of trouble. I think O'Malley's leading us to make a call here, but in the absence of that teasing, he's such a tease. He is. Uh, I think I'm folding. Well, you know, we're in for so much already. I think if this guy really is buying his way out, then I'm going to call. But And since you said you're going to fold, I'll call just so one of us has to be right, unless they split the pot somehow. So, All right, we're done. The show's over. I'm not show's over. Uh, <laughs> I'm already disagreeing with me. We're hoping we're going to have one more O'Malley's move after this. So uh, let's, uh, let's hope we can get in touch with him in time before, before we end the show. But uh, here comes part two. Hello again. Don't go broke with only one pair. Don't go broke with a queen in your hand. Yeah, yeah. I know all of these things. But let's think about something for a minute. Realistically, we're losing to ace-king, ace-ten, and sets. I think there's a good chance we get four-bet preflop if he's holding ace-king. So for now, let's strike that one. So that leaves ace-ten and sets. We're beating all flush draws and ace-jack. Essentially, we have a bluff catcher. This might be a bad call, but I've seen this opponent blast off before with a bluff, and something seems off here. I think we have to call this. We flip in a single chip, and our opponent frustratedly flings his cards to the dealer. Our heart is pounding in our chest as we drag an enormous pot. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes it's amazing to sniff out a bluff. I hope to see you on the felt. <laughs> okay, O'Malley knows the same adages. That's true. <laughs> uh, but congrats on what he says is the biggest pot he's ever played. That that's really. I mean, hey, hey Malley, uh, go out and treat yourself. Buy yourself a mailbox, buddy. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, it is tough to make calls like that. But uh, when you think you know the players, you can do it. So I was just thinking, Dan, it's a good thing he got that big pot in when he did, just in time for our show to end. <laughs> you know, because I mean, what what the heck? We should probably go out on that note, and not have another O'Malley's move. <laughs> but we can't do that. We can't do that. We got to have well, a special we- one. Maybe his next move will be the smallest potty you've ever played. <laughs> and they all folded to me in the big blind. The end. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> uh, all right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't some, won something from this past year, you've got two more chances to win a free membership to Advanced <laughs> Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Jerry Haynes is back. He already has that great uh, that prize, but... Uh, he sent us a couple hands, so we're not going to get to all of them, obviously, but uh, we will start with this one. 
And uh, he says, we are playing 50 cent $1 at PokerGo.now. And this is the first hand of the night. Uh, wow. We start tonight four-handed. I have $100. And uh, and the big blind, who will be the main villain, has $50. Wow, they play four-handed online. Yeah. They start a table with four-handed. Or is it our first hand, or is it the table's first hand? Uh, it must be our first hand. We start the night four-handed, so, you know. Wow. But, I mean, it's online, so you know. Four handed. I, I didn't think they. I think they started with five. Four. Oh, man, I guess you could play. Yeah. Oh. Well, also get down to four handed too, but I don't know. They started the night four handed, so that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, let's see. It folds to us on the button with the ace of clubs, king of clubs. Well, yeah, we got we got to fold and let the blinds fight it out. But uh, no, I'm I'm clearly going to raise. Uh, we don't have a standard yet, so. Generally three X, I guess. So three bucks maybe. Yeah, you know these these online stakes are a little weird. You usually have to juice it up a little bit more than you than you would normally do it in a in a live game. So but, it's so uh, shorthanded. It's just the blinds. It's like I want somebody to call. Yeah, I mean that that's an interesting strategy here. We could take here. We could just call here and try to you know uh, try to build a pot here rather than you know take down that dollar fifty right now. Yeah. So. The the other thing, obviously, the conventional argument would be to raise here. And what I like about it, it's always sweet when you get a big hand on the button, right? Because people always will be a little bit dubious of what you have on the button, thinking that you know you're using position. But when you actually wake up with the goods, that's fantastic. Yeah, so, yeah. So you're right. I think I think at a bigger bigger table, I would definitely want to raise. Be, be very excited about raising with this. But yeah, this little four handed. Um, you know, we, we could get ourselves in trouble by by uh, just calling here, but uh, that might make it more interesting. So, okay. All right. Well, our hero does the hero thing and raises three dollars. <laughs> uh, small blind folds, but the big blind calls. Okay. Uh, he says a fairly standard raise here, and he's going to call pretty wide from the big blind. I guess that's the other argument, right? Forehanded, you're going to get uh, weaker calls just because you can't keep folding your blinds forehanded. Right. Know? Right soon so that might be another argument for raising regardless so all right 650 in the pot uh flop is the ace of spades six of clubs four of hearts and our opponent checks to us well i mean it's that's a really good flop for us um it's rainbow so we like that yeah he's in the blind so you could have any two cards so you got to be a little weary if something happens if we get some sort of brush back here or whatever so any resistance so uh but i'm gonna make a bet Generally, we bet two thirds the pot when we uh, we see bet. So if there's like six in the pot, two bucks maybe, two twenty five, something like that maybe. No, yeah. two thirds. I'm sorry, two thirds. So like four four twenty five, something like that, yeah. four dollars. Yeah, I think probably four is like a perfect size bet here. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully he doesn't believe we have an ace because we raised on the button, right? So this is so far this is the perfect scenario for us. We we wake up with a great hand on the button, we raise, we get a call, we we spike that ace on the flop. And uh, now we do our C bet, and and hopefully he doesn't believe us. And we got three clubs now too, so you never know. You even have if something weird happened where you hit something better than us, like two pair, you know, you can maybe go club club two or just pair another card. So, yeah. Um, but I like a bet here, and I like about like I said, two thirds of pot. All right, here it says I know a bet is a standard play here, but this isn't a very wet board, and the only hands that could get three streets of value here would be six with the lower kicker. Since that makes up a small part of his range, I decided to check to disguise the strength of my hand. Uh, I, I guess my problem with that is it's a hard story to sell, isn't it? Like you, when you come awake 
come alive on the turn or, or the river. You know, it, it, it's really hard to like uh, get that opponent to believe that you didn't really have that ace. Right? Yeah, it's 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 hard. I mean, it just doesn't make it's. I I like to every once in a while quote Annie Duke in her book, and she says, "You raise pre flop. If you don't bet now, it's fishy." And so by not betting now, it's going to raise some flags. They're going to be like, "Wait a minute, you raise pre flop, and now what? You're afraid that the big blind has an ace, and you check? No, you you need to follow through here. So that that's going to raise some suspicions, usually on the big blinds part." And, and really, the hands that generally would check here would be kings or queens, where you're like, oh, my God, the race magnets, right? And, yeah. But uh, that doesn't help you very much because it's hard to believe, hard for me to believe your opponent has kings or queens beat, too. So now, you, so regardless of what you're doing now here, I, I think you're you're letting the opponent know, hey, we, we crushed this flop, or we're hoping you take a stab at it. And uh, just don't think that, hap- that, that works for you as often as you might yeah, think. I mean, first hand of the night, be happy to take down a $6 pot if you can right now and move on. You've done your job. You got the hands to raise with. You raise with them. You hit the hand. Now you see bet. Take the hand down. If you don't, you got to get some information out of this person anyway because if you bet and then he calls, you know, if he didn't hit the hand at all, it's going to be hard to believe he's going to catch up enough to call a big bet on the turn of the river. So you, you might as well try to see now and move on. If he's going to hit the hand, he's going to call. If he didn't hit the hand, he's going to fold. So why not bet now and move on? Absolutely. All right, still 650 in the pot, and the turn is the five of spades, so our board now is ace of spades, six of clubs, four parts, five of spades, and the big blind now leads out for $4.87. Uh, well, this is the kind of stuff now that makes you have to second guess. I mean, he could have had, you know, I'm going to defend with seven, eight of hearts, and now I've got a gutter that got there, and now he's betting into us hoping we were solo playing a set of aces or something, you know? So... Now that he's bet into us, is he saying, okay, I'm donk betting because I think you missed and you're afraid of the ace, and now I'm going to try to steal it? Or did he catch up to us? Or did he hit something and he was slow playing on the flop? So now we have all these questions when we could have gotten a lot of these answers earlier by betting. So uh, I'm probably just going to call and check call again. Yeah, I think this this is the problem with us checking on the flop is now we've gotten to a check call situation now because we we just don't know where we are, right? I mean, it's still very likely that we're winning, but we just don't know now because we slowed down and we gave him the opportunity to, to quote-unquote, steal this pot from us. Now, he's not going to be able to steal from us. I I can't imagine us folding at any point here, but but we've lost the ability, I think, to to raise here now. Yeah. Um, all right, so he says, uh, this is one of the few cards I did not want to see as 6-5 or 4-5 just made two pair and 7-8 just made a straight. Well, never folding top pair, top kicker here. I don't think my hand is strong enough to raise, so I make the call. So yep. The other so- thing, too, is, you know, if let's let's go back to the beginning real quick, and it's a shorthanded table, just starting. Some guy raises. We don't know what he has. If we have a random ace in the big blind, we're probably not re-raising but we may call. So now you've hit your ace rag on the flop, and you're like, all right, I want to see if this guy really has a better ace than me, so I'm going to check to him. Then when we don't bet, now this guy not only has ace rag, but four six five is probably one of the rags that he's hit. Yeah. So now he's yeah. got aces up. He could have aces up, and now he's betting into us. And it's like, damn. So it's not just the four five six five seven eight hand that he mentioned. It's also ace four, ace five, you know, that, you know, he could have hit two pair on the flop, you know, aces up and now, or he could have turned aces up. So, you know, again, 
questions that could have probably gotten some more at least solid answers on the flop by betting. So I don't know. I'm still calling. It's so early on. I have a hundred bucks in front of me. What's four bucks? You know, I mean, I know online money can go pretty quick, but uh, I'm going to call and then I'm going to check there unless it's a king on the end or another ace. Cause then I might feel stronger about it. Um, I'm probably just going to check call again. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so they're now sixteen twenty-four in the pot, and the river is the six of spades for a final board of ace of spades, six of clubs, four of hearts, five of spades, six of spades, and our opponent bets seven dollars and seventy-seven cents. Yeah, it's a little but more in the third. The stop. pot. It's probably a good bet. He's probably trying to get the big stacky chips like Scott would do um, to make it look more impressive. But I, I don't see myself folding, but I don't see myself raising either. We have aces up with a good, the best kicker. But at the same time, this guy could have a random six in his hand. Didn't believe us because we didn't put any more pressure on him either. So he could have just had six, seven and thought, okay, he didn't have an ace. Maybe he has something like king, queen or king, jack or jack 10 when he raised preflop. So now we've hit our six. That's how we bet the turn. You know, here six and a flop and think it might be good. So we could literally be looking at three sixes here, you know. So if this trip sixes, you know, I'm not raising, but I'm going to call and see how this guy plays a hand and what he defends with. And I think seven bucks is probably worth it. You know, it's it's the, probably the right amount to bet if you're looking for a call. Um, sure. But he probably doesn't believe us. Now he probably thought maybe we were, you know, picked up a draw on the turn with the two spades, and that's why he called. We called again. But um, you know, the river. I guess the river was another spade, though, wasn't it? So that yeah, you could try to do something like that, but that, that story doesn't add up to me. You know, represent yeah. the flush. So I think we're just gonna call. Would be tough. Uh, I mean, the, the six of spades is actually a pretty good card for us. If you think about it, so I mean, if we were up against ace four, ace five, we've now, you know, caught up, right, right. Um, <laughs> and if he had ace six, he had his beat anyhow. So it doesn't matter whether he's got trips now or two pair. I mean, he's still, right. still winning the pot, right? So, and, and you're right. I mean, we could maybe make a make a move with the with the spades. It, that's tough to do. Not uh, early in the night when you don't have any real, you know, information, right? So, right. I think really at this point, th- this is all an information fishing expedition for us now. And the seven dollars seventy seven cents, even if we lose, is worth it just to to get an idea of who we're playing against, right? So I agree. So, um, but but that that six, I actually think probably helped us, um, or at least didn't hurt us. Well, I know that the bad news would be like you said, if if the guy hits a random six on the flop because he defended with something like 6-5. That's true. That's and he true. didn't bet, and then we we didn't bet either. Then the turn, he picks up two pair, and now he's like, oh, God, I'm hoping he has an ace he's trying to trap me because now i got two pair. Let me see what he does. And then we call. Now he rivers a boat. And then now if we try to say, okay, well, we've got aces up with a king, and he may have had aces up with a six. You know, now we, we try to get fancy here or tricky. You know, we're going to lose a lot more than seven bucks, so I'm calling. Yeah. All right, here it says, I throw up a bit in my mouth. That's... <laughs> Uh, it says I need to call 777 to win a pot that will be 3178. So I need to be right 25% of the time for this to be a profitable call. The problem is that I'm struggling to find enough hands that he would lead out on two streets with that that I beat. Uh, I'm pretty certain this is a fold. However, decided to make the call. Yeah, um, I, I I don't see myself folding. It's just top pair. You got two pair with the best kicker possible. I, I have to. I think you have to call here just to see. Yeah, what got. here's the thing. I think you're forgetting is that he we, we slow down on the flop and totally changed the trajectory of his hand. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so that opened up for him to be able to to bluff at us, 
And if he's a good bluffer, he's not going to like take that one shot in the turn and then wave the white flag on the river. You got to commit to that bluff, right? right. So, so it's very possible that, that we have him crushed here, but because we checked, we gave him the opportunity to, to bet into us, um, which is why we didn't really like that play. Um, but, but now it, it actually makes that, that 25% a rewrite 25% of the time, I think makes it a pretty profitable call here. So yeah. Yeah. I'm going to call. All right. Uh, so we make the call, uh, and, uh, we saw the chips move to a stack when he flipped over the six of diamonds, mm. four of diamonds. Uh, God, we were only ahead pre-flop. That was it. Yep. We were never ahead again. <laughs> just beat all the way. Oh that. man. Um, well, so here's what we learned though. Right. And this is why it's good that we didn't raise, um, I mean, we learned this guy is going to defend his big blind. Right. Uh, with pretty right? crappy hands, yeah. Defend it with crap cards. Right. So, I mean, yeah, so we lost uh, we lost a good chunk there, but uh, but I think we gained a lot of information here. So, I mean, it's going to be really hard for us uh, to, to uh, you know, button steal um, the rest of the night against this guy. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's not a bad thing. It just means we have to play differently, so... Yeah, we lost 14% of our stack. You know, generally we talk about 10% of your stack is acceptable to call, you know, raises and things like that with. So it's not that much. You'll get it back. The other thing, too, is you just get, because it's online, We just because he's in our big blind now, or I, our, we're buttoning his big blind, people can sit in between you. You don't even know. So you might not have to deal with this guy later on. But if you do, now you've got some, some good intel on him. So. Sure. Um, but you know, are you, are you, are you okay, Jerry? Are you, are you feeling a little verklempt? I, I, I got a little discussion topic for you. The industrial revolution was neither industrial nor a revolution. Discuss. That's one of my favorite ones of all time. He doesn't do anything anymore. That guy, he, it, he's not on any, like the last thing I saw him do was like Bohemian Rhapsody when he was like the record exec. Yeah. Right. I mean, he just yeah. disappeared. Yeah. Well, you know, Hey, Eh, what are you going to do? Just like us, we're going to disappear just real like soon, us. too. <laughs> hey, remember, send us those uh, those thoughts on the show, and we'll try to get you on our final episode, February 18th. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.